Okay, I'd like to welcome you um, back to your seats, actually, and welcome you to the church once again. My name is Jeremy. I am uh, one of the pastors here at Providence Road. We are glad that you're here this morning. Um, We are continuing on in our series um, this summer where we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount, kind of verse by verse, section by section, just straight through chapters 5. Um, through 7 of the book of Matthew. And today we come to Matthew 5, 33 through 37. So I'm going to read this uh, before we jump in. Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, once again, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that um, you you have spoken to us in your word. These are your words. This is your um revelation to us of who you are and what you've done um, in history. And so we're thankful that this is, this is an act of grace and mercy on your behalf that we can know uh, the creator God. And so we thank you for your word. And as we um, look through this passage over the next uh, 30 minutes or so, I pray that you would um, help us understand it. Um, uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, as Jesus would say. And, and through that, I pray that you would change our hearts, you would change who we are, and you would change the way we live when we leave this place. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Those of you who know me relatively well, um, you'll know that I am a fan of the TV show The Office. Okay? And on The Office, one of the things, one of the many things that makes this show um, awesome, in my opinion, is the characters, right? And these characters... One of the things that makes them so great, in my opinion, is that they're, they're, they're so, um, they lack such a lack of awareness, right? Like they don't have an awareness of their quirks. So all the, most of the characters in this show have these crazy quirks, and they just continue to do those quirks over nine seasons, episode after episode after episode, which is makes, what makes the show great. Like they're, they're not aware of, no one points it out to them really, and so they, they just continue on being themselves over and over and over, and it provides those just awkward, cringeworthy moments of like, can, can you just believe they did that, or can you believe he said that? Um, whether it's, you know, how, how, how judgmental one of them is, how promiscuous one of them is, how terrible, just crazy of a, of a boss, of like, how does this company stay afloat with Michael Scott running it? It's like, how and there's just this lack of awareness almost the whole show, and you want to scream at your TV, but that's what it also makes it um, such a great show. And I think this, this is the case with us in this particular passage, okay? This passage that we're going to look at today, I think we can kind of think everything's good, that we understand it, that that doesn't really apply to us. Um, this oath thing is, is, is really strange. Uh, I'm not sure about it. And so I think, and I know I've done it in the past as I've read through Matthew 5, I just kind of read through it and continue on going. I don't really stop, haven't spent a lot of time in my life to study this passage. You have, um, you have sexual lust 
two passages ago. Then you have marriage and divorce, right? And you're, you, everybody kind of locks into those. And then next week we have um, eye for an eye, like the famous passage. And then we have loving your enemies after that. So this passage is wedged in this kind of interesting spot. And I feel like that's why it gets skipped over so much. But there is a lot for us to know and learn from this passage. And I think it affects all of us. Because the heart behind this passage, I think we deal with this and wrestle with it every single day. And we'll talk about the oaths and those kinds of things. But this passage, I think, um, has something to say to all of us. And I think we struggle with what Jesus is going to show us today in this passage. So, but Sermon on the Mount, let's go big picture. The purpose of Jesus preaching the Sermon of the Mount is to show us what life is like in the kingdom of God. What life is like in the kingdom of God. The the theologians call the time we're living in the already but not yet. The fact that Jesus has come. He says, my kingdom has come. The kingdom is here. And the kingdom is here to some extent. In some essence, the kingdom is here. But it's not here fully yet. We're still awaiting. We still long for God's kingdom to, to, to be revealed fully to us. Okay, and so today in this particular passage, Jesus is going to show us how to live in the kingdom as it relates to oaths, but more importantly, I think, being um, the tellers of truth, being people who actually tell the truth. And in dealing with this topic, Jesus is going to stay with his same kind of formula and rhythm that he's had throughout all the topics we looked at so far. He's going to go back first to an Old Testament teaching or a topic, and he's calling people back to the original meaning of it and intent of that teaching originally in the first place. So today, it's a little different because he doesn't go back specifically to a verse. He's not quoting a specific law from the Old Testament, but he's taking a topic that gets addressed several places in the Old Testament. So let's look at a couple of those verses in the Old Testament um, to get a background or an idea of what Jesus is referring back to here. First is Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Leviticus 19, 12. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Numbers 32. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 21. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. Ecclesiastes 5, 5. It is better that you should not vow, that you should vow and not pay. Okay, so a couple of things we just see just by reading those verses, um, that all of these in some way prohibit making a vow and then breaking it. Okay, that was a big deal, obviously, in the Old Testament. Don't make a vow and then break it. Don't do that. Um, But more importantly, I think a bigger principle that we see here is God really cares about what we say. God values words. It means a lot what comes out of our mouth. God puts a great deal and knows every single word that we utter. So I think that's kind of an umbrella principle that is going to, uh, we're going to see throughout um, the the passages we're going to look at today. And hopefully when we see the word swearing here, um, the scripture doesn't mean the kind of swearing that I think kind of is typical in at least our popular culture and language. This isn't something that we're tempted to do um, when we're angry or during NBA free agent season. This is not not the four-letter word kind of swearing, 
okay? Um, Jesus is saying in chapter 5 of verse 33 that don't use God's name externally uh, when you aren't going to keep whatever you're promising to do, okay? Or to say it another way, don't use God's name to leverage an oath or a promise when either you don't have the ability to even keep that promise or you know good and well inside that you really have no intention of keeping that promise. So Jesus is saying, don't do it. Like, don't bring God into this. Don't leverage God's name because it's like this big powerful thing you can throw down to give you weight and power. He's like, don't do it. You don't do it. And we'll talk about the whys here in a second. Um, but, it, but the people were using God's name to give their statements and their promises authority so they would be more believable. Now, in this culture, the reason why I think Jesus includes this in the Sermon on the Mount, that's a question I have on all of these topics. Well, Jesus, why out of all the topics did you feel the need in this huge sermon to address oath-giving, oath-taking? Okay, why, why, Jesus, did you address that? Well, in, in the Old Testament times, it was a, an oral culture, right? So complete oral culture, everything revolved around oral language, all the main contracts that people entered into, and they did have plenty of ma- major contracts, they were all entered into orally. And even in Jesus' time, there was more written um, um, things happening, but it was still a, a culture that was dependent upon the oral, um, oral medium of communication. You got to remember, there wasn't surveillance tapes, no audio recording, there's no camera phones. So, so this system of oath-giving and oath-taking was to kind of put in some parameters to keep people from lying. Right? Because humans, we lie, right? We, we lie. We're sinful, we're rebellious. And as they were trying to structure this society in the Old Testament, they knew, hey, we can't just assume completely that everyone is always telling the truth. So we're going to put in this, uh, this oath system. God hardwires us into the law so that people would be more likely to tell the truth. And in our day and age, that just doesn't seem quite as, as needed or as helpful because, one, we, we can write things down, and that stuff just doesn't go away. It saves. Like, you can't write something down, and, and it, it doesn't just go away. It's there for good unless it's lost. That we, that they didn't have surveillance tapes. Now we do, obviously. Auto recordings, camera phones. Like, people can be held accountable to a greater deal than they, than, to their word than they were back then. So oaths were a huge uh, part of society, and oaths were common. They were really common. And they were either made to another person or they were made to God. And when they were giving an oath, what were they were saying is, I want to be held accountable, or I'm going to be held accountable to what I'm about to say, what I'm about to promise. And if I break it, then I'm willing to suffer the consequences for breaking that oath. And if you dig more into the, the Old Testament and the law behind oaths, you'll see that there were some consequences laid out for breaking different kinds of oaths. And especially amongst the religious leaders, breaking an oath was a big deal. That was, a, that was a big deal. But what, again, what the Pharisees and what some of the teachers were doing is they were taking this, these, these, these commands and these, these laws from the Old Testament revolving around oaths, they were twisting it to kind of hide what their true intentions were. They were manipulating people with the law. So let's look at Matthew 5, verse 33. We'll walk through this passage. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, what we just read, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Jesus kind of summarizes all of that into this one statement. We've already looked at those. Let's look at verse 34. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, 
either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. It's interesting here in, in 34 through 36, Jesus kind of appeals to, to heaven, earth, Jerusalem, and, and someone's head. Okay? So what he's saying here, what the point he's trying to make is when you lie, when you break an oath, when you're deceptive, when you don't follow through on something, um, uh, when you are dealing with another person, you're not just dealing with that person. You're dealing with God as well. God's there. God hears. God knows. It's his heaven. It's his earth. Um, it's his city that we live in. The head that, the, the head that you have is, is he was created. It was created by him. So one thing he's trying to set up here is just remember that as you deal with one another, and this is the same thing for us, when we make agreements, when we talk to one another, as we're thinking about the truth, we are standing before God as we talk about those things as well, not just another person. He hears. God is there. God is with us when we're doing that. Now, second thing I think Jesus wants us to, to see here is he wants us to be measured and humble when we are say we were going to do something. To be humble, like know our place, humans, is kind of what, what God would want us to know when it comes to this. Um, he says, you, by the statement, he, he says, you can't even take one hair on your head, tiny little thing off your head, and change the color of it. Like, you can't even do that. So, and, and I know this was before the, the Just for Men hair coloring system, right? Like, like, people back then couldn't do that, right? Now you're all looking at my hair, right? Don't look at my hair. It's not gray. It's not gray. It's, it's silver. It's silver. I don't, I don't use, I don't use um, just for a minute. If you do, that's okay. Um, but Jesus is saying, you, because you're a human being. Like, you can't even control the color of your hair. So when you go into a, a promise or tell somebody you're going to do something, have a measure of humility. Be humble about this. Realize that you may not be able to keep your promise to this thing or that thing. So I think it's just a good principle to think about it. Count the cost. Be honest. Be humble about making um, agreements or going into a, a contract or something with another person. Okay, so Jesus lays out the teaching of the Old Testament, and then he tells us, hey, here's what not to do and why not to do it. And now he simply tells us what to do. Verse 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Okay, this is very straightforward, right? Yes or no. Just say yes or no. Don't do anything else. Um, but also, he says, anything more comes from evil. And Jesus doesn't just throw around that word evil. If you look at Jesus and the word evil, he doesn't throw it around. He doesn't use it very often. So it should get our attention that this is important. Jesus is saying, once you start to go down that, that cycle of of appealing to other things and swearing and oath-taking and all those things, you, it could lead to a dangerous place. It could lead to evil. So Jesus is saying that we shouldn't have to swear. We shouldn't have to, to, uh, to take oaths. But in, again, in this day and age, they would have heard this. And they would have said, what do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean? We do this all the time. We have to make oaths. It's a part of how we do life. It's a part of our economy. This is how we do it. And so... The question is, is Jesus saying we should make oaths? Is that what he's saying? And he's saying, saying no, we, that's not what he's saying. Um, but I would say that some branches of Christianity um, 
refuse to take oaths primarily on this passage. Um, Quakers, Amish, Mennonites, they will refuse to take oaths, even the oaths that the government has laid out, because of this passage. They read it literally and they say, no, we're not going to take oaths. Now, I think reading it literally like this, I think pulls it out of the context which, which Jesus is saying. And this is why I don't think we shouldn't ever take an oath, okay? Because that's not what Jesus is trying to answer. He's not trying to answer, hey, should, should we or should we not take an oath? He's trying to get under the heart of it all. And really the heart of it all, the original intent of the teachings of the Old Testament, Jesus is saying, is tell the truth. We shouldn't have to have oaths to tell the truth. We should be people. We're God's people. We should tell the truth because we just want to be truth tellers. So I don't think he's prohibiting us from taking oaths, but I think he wants us to think about how often we take an oath or we, or we appeal to something higher than ourselves. Because in this day and age, kind of swearing and taking an oath had, got, had, had reached ridiculous proportions. People were taking oaths on minor things, and when they did take an oath, they wouldn't follow through on it. Um, and like, like last week, marriage was one. And I think there's a reason why, by the way, this passage follows the one on marriage and divorce. Because they weren't, people in that day and age weren't keeping the marriage oath. And so that was an example of people were taking this flippant view of oath keeping. And once that happens, and I think this is what Jesus is saying here, is once you start taking a flippant view of oath keeping, then a person's word loses almost all of their value. If you start appealing to oaths for everything, what value does a yes or a no have in a culture? And I think for the Pharisees in particular, and he teaches kind of directly to the Pharisees later on in Matthew. You can look that up later, talking about oaths. Um, it's Matthew 23. Um, but what he's saying here is that we've got to be careful with oaths because the more we appeal to something outside of ourself— I think we feel less accountability to actually follow through with it, right? Like you, it, it kind of kept you from being the one that was held accountable if you could appeal to something else because they were taking the weight of the oath and not you. And this is what the Pharisees were trying to do. Um, Dallas Wither, Willard, um, kind of philosopher, theologian, says this about um, swearing or taking oaths. He says, when we swear, we are making use of people or we are using people trying to bypass their understanding and judgment to trigger their will and possess them for our purposes. So we take an oath and we swear. What he's saying is we're manipulating people. We're kind of bypassing logic to go to something deeper inside of them to control them and manipulate them to do what we want them to do or to feel how we want them to feel. Okay, so I think at the end of all this, Jesus is saying, if you absolutely have to take an oath, then to do it. Take an oath. But we should be the kind of people who don't need to invoke God's name in order to be trusted. We should be the kind of people who are trusted because we are followers of Jesus. Because our yes means yes, and our no means no. Okay? And so I think the heart behind um, these, old, these Old Testament teachings and what Jesus is looking at is just having integrity, being truth-tellers. Matthew 5a, a passage in the Beatitudes that we looked at uh, several weeks ago, one of them said this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I think what, what Jesus is saying in that verse there, he's just saying that our inside matches up with our outside. What we say matches up to who we are. What we say we're going to do is what we follow through on. Okay? Our motives match our external behavior. Like there's not, there's not two people. We're not hiding. We're not living two different lives. This is integrity. Integrity. 
We should be truth tellers. I think this is part of being a people of integrity. Now, so this is oath giving, right? Now, I want to get down to kind of bring this into our day and age, okay? Because again, our oaths, we don't have to do that very often. But what other things, I think, in this, in this ballpark, in this area, do we struggle with that I think this, this principle and the heart behind it applies to? Um, here's a, a, a few of them. Uh, number one, confronting people. When we have to confront people. And I think this is really hard, especially inside the church, maybe inside uh, marriages. Um, it's, it's not loving to candy coat something or to avoid telling someone something hard a truth that's going to benefit them. That's not loving. That's deceitful. That's putting yourself above them. If someone needs to hear the truth, God may be using you to be the vehicle that a person hears the truth on. So for us to candy coat it or avoid hard conversations is a way that we're, we know we should say something, right? Like internally, like we know the right thing to do, but externally we're not doing it. So we're hiding externally. They're not congruent there. I think that's deceptive. It's putting, in a, putting your needs over a person's needs. Now, there's a way, obviously, to confront people. If you're going to confront people, if you're going to tell the truth to people, you do it with gentleness, you do it with respect, you do it with love. There's a way to do that, but that doesn't, um, um, shouldn't prevent us from um, being um, truth tellers to people. So I think confronting people is a way um, that, uh, that the heart behind this being truth tellers applies to. Second, um, and we're all guilty of this, I think. When was the last time someone asked you, how are you, right? How are you? And you say, fine. <laughs> if you say fine and you're not fine, that's deceptive, right? Like, that's a lie. Like, if you say, hey, I'm fine, when somebody asks you, how are you, um, that's, that's, that's lying. Maybe we call that a little white lie or something. But, hey, let's just say what it is. It's, it's a lie, okay? So how do we approach this, right? If somebody asks us, how are you, then we should be the kind of people who we don't have to spill our, our whole life story to them, but we should give them enough to say, hey, if things aren't really fine, if you've had a hard week, if things are tough, like let somebody in a little bit, share with them that. Or maybe things are, are really good and, and, and you want to, maybe, maybe you're, you, do, you don't want to seem too excited, so you hide something when your excitement could maybe bless the person that's asking, how are you doing? Okay, now on the flip side, if you're the person who's asking, how are you? And they kind of go down that road with you. You better be ready to listen, right? Because it's also deceitful to say, how are you? And not really want to know how someone is, right? It's, that's, you're not saying, hey, you know, inside, I don't really, I hope they don't answer me. I don't have time for this. I don't want to get into the whole deal, but I'm going to say, how are you? Now, what you'll say to me, isn't this culturally appropriate? Isn't just this kind of another version of saying hello Yes, I get it, but something small like this can be something we practice on ourselves and kind of train ourselves to be truth tellers. So we don't just mindlessly say, I'm fine, when like things aren't really fine. So how can we work harder at actually giving some, some person a, a, something of the truth? And I think that con conditions us and trains us to be truth tellers, maybe in larger or bigger things later, okay? I think you can say hello, <laughs> Hope you're having a good day. And you know, it's, there's no questions there, right? Like, like if you want to say, how are you? Like, there are ways to do that uh, without maybe kind of forcing someone else into saying whatever's on their heart, okay? Uh, next, um, this is a hard one too. This, is, this one's hard for me. Saying yes when you really should say no or you want to say no, right? Like you're, the, the people-pleasing thing. You don't want to let someone down. 
you say yes to everything. Because if you say no, bad things will happen. They'll think you're a failure. They'll think you're horrible. They'll think you don't love them anymore because you don't say yes to something they want you to do, right? And so if inside you're saying, I just shouldn't do this, I'm gonna have to say no to more important things if I say yes to this, but I don't wanna let them down, so yes. And then you're left to pick up the pieces later of, 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 of something that's happened because you said yes, okay? So if inside you know, on principle, it's like I should say no to that for whatever reason, um, and you say yes, that's not congruence, right? Like you're inside saying this is the right thing to do is to say no here, but you continue to say yes. And I think that over time can get you in trouble, maybe making just you busy or you're just everyone's servant and you're just doing things for everyone and you're like a mile wide and an inch deep, as they say, okay? Now, I think on the flip side, maybe some of you, I don't think this is the majority, this is the minority, but some of you maybe need to say yes more. Maybe you're saying no too much, right? Like maybe you need to be more of a servant. Maybe you need to um, say, say yes when somebody asks you to do something. Maybe you need to pay attention to the Spirit, and the Spirit's trying to give you an opportunity to serve, trying to stretch you, trying to get out of your comfort zone, and you need to say yes more. So that's just self-reflecting on, hey, who, who are you? This is, this is hard. You're right. this is, I, want, I want to please people. I want to make people happy. That's the way I'm wired. And so I just say yes too much oftentimes, and I get myself in trouble later, or I have to say no, or I let people down later because I said yes too much, okay? So just know yourself there. Um, another one, two more. Um, I think uh, people-pleasing, I think, uh, leads to other things like embellishing, tweaking the details. This would be called more of the white line, right? Like, I'm just going to embellish this a little bit to make myself look better. I'm just going to stretch this a little bit to make my point across. Or I'm, gonna, I'm just going to change some details here. Like, it's mostly the truth, but I'm just going to change some things. Again, usually those things are small. Usually those things are, are in matters of insignificance. But if we're going to be truth tellers, let's look for those opportunities to actually start telling the truth, saying things to people um, that are maybe hard. And this was a way to practice this. And, and lastly, and this is maybe the, the most prevalent one, is, is, is your commitments, right? So when we commit to something, and this could be big or small, like the big one, let's just say like marriage, Right? We talked about last week. That's a, that's a huge commitment. It's actually a covenant, but it's, a, it's, a, it's also a big commitment. Um, down to this, the small side is, hey, I'm going to call you later. Right? Like, I'll, I'll call you later. Do you call them later? <laughs> I'll text you about that. Do you text them? Um, do, you, do you follow through? Or do your words matter? When you say you're going to do something, do you do it? Do we follow through? Once again, are we telling the truth? Are we people who can keep our word? And this may even go as far as like if somebody tries to call you and you never answer. Or if somebody tries to text you and you never text them back. Or somebody asks you to be somewhere at a certain time and you're late. Right? Like these are the things that these are our commitments. These are if people have an expectation of you to, to kind of say the truth. You're going to, when you say yes to this, I assume you're going to be there on time. So you're honoring your commitments. Okay, you're not being decept- deceiving. You're not saying, yes, I'll do something, and then you don't do it. Oh, hey, I'll pray for you. That's a hard one, right? Like, I'll pray for you, and then we all forget. We forget sometimes. And then we have this guilty feeling later. It's like, next time we see them, like, oh, I never prayed for him. I remember telling them I was going to pray for him. How do we correct that? Pray for him right then, or we make a note. We keep track of that, you know, and, and, and we do it, okay? So once again, these things practice. And we could also talk about um, church membership right? Like, 
we're committed. If you're a church, member of Providence Road, you're committed here. Okay, so maybe a reflection time. Are you honoring the commitments of a member at Providence Road? Things like giving and attendance and using your time and your treasure and your talent and your skills. Are you, do you show up? Are you involved in your missional community? Because if you're in a missional community, you committed to a missional community to be the kind of person that you're supposed to be. Yes be yes, no be no, okay? This could go for work. Are you the type of person who would say, my yes is yes and my no is no at work with my boss, with my supervisor, with my coworkers, okay? So these are some areas, um, and here's what happens. I think if, if we're not aware of these things, I think our life can be, can, we can be, we can live a life enslaved to other people and what we want other people to, to, to see of us, right? So we, 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 it's so much work to lie. It's so much work to be deceptive. It's so much work to say one thing and do another thing. It's, I'm going to be a certain person here. I'm going to be a different person here, or I can't let them see this, or I can't let them see this. And so the, these are the kinds of things that will just run our lives if we're not letting our yes be yes and our no be no. Okay, but why do we struggle, right? So again, all of us, if, as I read that list, we all struggle with, with something on that list, right? Why do we struggle? Why is it so hard for us to just let our yes be yes and our no be no? Well, um, to put it simply, it's because we are prone to worshiping things other than God. Prone to worshiping ourselves, someone else, or something, Okay. If you're a slave to other people's approval, you're always going to be tempted to embellish the truth, to show that person how great you are, so they'll approve of you, which is deception, right? Like you're deceiving them to draw love from them or approval from them to make yourself feel better, right? That's, that's deception. Maybe you exaggerate things to look more powerful, like to, to make sure that people know your, your, your status or your standing or how, how great uh, you are in your career. Maybe you lie to remain in control of the situation. You want the situation to get out of control, out of your hands, so you begin to tell these little white lies to keep control. We said, we say, you say yes to everything. Um, you want other people to love you. When you, fall and you, when, you, when you fail and you're into the deal, you feel guilty and shameful because you know you let them down. And what do we usually turn to? We're going to make up for it by saying yes twice as much next time because we feel so bad about letting them down. We're just going to say yes more and do it. And that's not the point, right? Jesus said, say no. If you can't do it, just say no. Jesus doesn't ever say, hey, don't ever say no. He's saying, if you say yes, do it. If you can't do it, just say no and be okay with that. So um, here's some things I think we can practically do moving, moving out of this, okay? First, tell the truth, right? Like just thinking, okay, I need to be a truth teller. I want to be the kind of person who tells the truth. Two, I just mentioned this, but don't be afraid to say no if you just can't do it, right? Like, you, you don't have to say yes to everything. Like, watch your margin. Watch, if you just can't do it, just say no. It, 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 it prevents a lot of hard conversations and awkward conversations and, and failing and not living up, all those things later, if you just say no. Now, I'll say it once again. If you're the type to say no out of laziness, or comfort, or selfishness, maybe you need to say yes more, okay? So again, some self-awareness needs to be had. Um, so tell the truth. Don't be afraid to say no. And then this is the most important thing. So when you are tempted to lie, when you are tempted to deceive, when you are tempted to swear on, like, on God or try to build your believability scale up, ask why. Like, why in this moment am I 
afraid to tell the truth? Why in this moment do I feel like I need to embellish? Why in this moment do I feel like I need to tell this little bit of lie? And it will always come back. I think there's some fear of man. I want to be seen as someone rather than who I am. I'm afraid of then seeing who I really am. I don't want to be a failure. Therefore, I need to make sure they, they don't think I've failed. Again, just asking why are we tempted to do this? Because again, if it's approval, then we go to the gospel. Like, why do we need more approval from other people when, we be, when we've been approved, when we approved completely by the creator God who made everything? He approves of us because of what Jesus has done. Why do we need to seek control and control every situation when we love and worship and serve the God who is completely sovereign over everything? Why do we need to gain more control? And so in that moment, we just need to trust. God's got this. I'm going to tell the truth because that's what I'm supposed to do. And we'll let God handle everything else. Power. Why do we need to strive for more power and grab for more power? We, once again, we serve the most powerful being in the whole universe who created everything. So why do we need to go after power? Why do we need to do these things? So I think it's important to ask, why am I tempted to do these things? And then apply the gospel, the truths of the gospel, specifically to what you're struggling with. Um, and I would say the last one, I've already said it, but remember the gospel and ask the Spirit to, to, to help you here. And again, we're, we're, we're all going to fall short here, right? We're all going to fall short. Here's the good news. The good news is that God sent Jesus, his only son, and Jesus did everything God told him to do. And, and, he to, and he said everything God told him to say perfectly, everything. So we wouldn't have to be perfect, right? Jesus took care of the perfection thing for us. So we can let go of that. We're not going to be perfect in this area, okay? And then Jesus went further. He died on the cross for us, making a way for us to be reconciled to God, and it doesn't have to be our righteousness that makes us approved by God. It's his righteousness that makes us approved by God. And when he went back to the Father, the scriptures say he is, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding from us. So when we mess up, he's saying, no, remember, Father, my blood, my righteousness covers them. My righteousness protects them. Don't punish them. Don't send your wrath upon them because my, 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 my blood, my righteousness covers them. And then Jesus sends his spirit, when he does ascend to the fire, he sends his spirit to live inside of those who would believe in him and love him. And the spirit does two things, I think, in relation to this. One, he convicts us, so we don't just kind of uh, continue to operate on autopilot and telling, maybe being deceitful slightly in all of our life. The spirit convicts us. He's saying, hey, that's not right. There's something off here. Hey, there, that, that wasn't right what you said. So the spirit convicts us so we can go back to the father and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I realize I, I, I need to work on this, but I trust the blood of Jesus covers me here. And the second thing the Spirit does, he actually empowers us to actually tell the truth when we need to. So when I said a moment ago, when, you, when you're tempted to, to, to lie or to deceive, ask why, and then trust that the Spirit is going to give you the boldness and, and, and the, the ability to actually say what you need to say there. Because here's the deal, in the, in, the, in the heat of the moment, I've thought through situations this week, like it is hard in the moment to tell the truth. It's really, really hard. And so we need this supernatural power to do that, and it may cost us something. We may, we, we, we may feel a great deal of disappointment. People may get mad at us because we failed them. Or when we can't do something for them, we say, no, I'm sorry. We may not always get the, hey, it's okay. I understand. We may not get that. So telling the truth actually costs something. In another country, telling the truth, as we know, can cost Christians their lives. 
So telling the truth will come at a price, which is why we need the Spirit to encourage us and move us and motivate us to be able to do that in the moment. And this is part of the gospel. This is part of the gospel, sending His Spirit to help us do this. And when we mess up, we run to the Father and say, God, I'm sorry. Help me. Help me do this better next time. I want to live with joy and freedom and not be manipulative and not be deceptive and not be, have, have to wear a mask and, 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 and read off a script around people or be someone else on social media. Like that's slavery. I want to live in freedom and joy. God, help me. That is the gospel. And that's how we respond to the gospel. This is the last thing I'll say. Um, we, uh, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about the passage being salt and light. In our day and age, if there was ever a time that we need truth tellers, right? It is in our time. Like the, the, the fake news thing is out of control. Like I, I don't know who to trust anymore. Like I, I really don't. Like unless I know someone and like have spent time around them and I call them my friend, I have a really hard time trusting people. Like I've been jaded. And I think most of the world feels the same way, at least our country. We just feel jaded with people telling us stuff. Are, is it your, are you telling me that? Can I trust you? Is that your agenda? Are you trying to move me in that way and tell me like, kind of mix in some false falsities with that truth? Like I never know. So the one way we can sh- for sure be salt and light is to be truth tellers, to be people of integrity who say yes when we need to say yes and no when we need to say no. And when we fail, we come back and we say, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. Let me try again. Hey, I'm going to do better next time. I'm sorry about that. We don't have to hide from that. We don't have to run from that. We don't have to tell another lie to make up for the lie that we just broke. We can be truth tellers, and I think our world needs this. And we're looking for reasons to share the gospel with the world, tell people about Jesus. I think this is a great vehicle into that, because this is weird. Telling the truth, letting our yes be yes and our no be no, it is weird. It is strange in our day and age. But I think it's a good weird. And I think our, it's going to be a, an attractive weird to our world because we can't tell what is true and what is deception anymore. Let's pray. Father, once again, um, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, um, that you're covering these topics that we all deal with on a daily basis. And we don't have to come up with um, relevant topics or creative things, um, but you just reading through this sermon, we're seeing that uh, these things hit us every day. Like today, we, we want to be truth tellers. <laughs> we, we want to be the kind of people who don't have to think through all the angles or think through how's this going to hurt me and, 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 and how can I get out of this and how can I change this word to make myself look better and how can I, I not tell him this to avoid this conflict. And all of that is so tiring and it's so exhausting to live in that internal dialogue. So help us. This is hard. This is difficult. On a daily basis, this is difficult for me. So I need help. I need, I need your gospel to, to show me that it's okay when I mess up. And it's okay if I, if I need to own up to my mistakes. It's okay if I need to say no. I don't need other people's approval. I don't need to be in control of every situation. I don't need to control my life. Because I'm loved and I'm called son by the one who's in control of everything. And approves of me. Approves of me more so than any human being on this earth could possibly approve of me because he sent his only son to die for me. I need that. 
help me. Help me be more. Help us be more. Um, tell the truth more. Be the kind of people that are more characterized by being truth tellers. And set us free. Help us have freedom and joy in this area. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.